Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, July 13, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, first and foremost, we take a look at the daily chart, see if anything's jumping off the page, and then we go from there. What's jumping off the page on the daily chart? There's only one thing, a nominal new high. They pulled back a little bit. They're high on the chart. They're above all the moving averages. The trend is your friend. Basically, the net net is not a lot changed. Just because they peaked their head to make a new high by a few pennies and pulled back and they closed above yesterday's low, that leaves the market in basically much of the same position that it's been in. They're high on the chart, above the moving averages, no change from a daily chart perspective. However, that doesn't mean other stuff didn't happen today. It did. So as we take a look around the horn and we look at different charts, different markets, we'll see that there are some divergences once again developing. We'll get to those when we get to those, but right now I think it's worthwhile to run through some additional SPY charts from other time frames. When we take a look at the 240-minute chart, do we see anything material? Well, there's nothing material, and it doesn't look a whole lot different from the daily chart, but what we can see is if, and this is an if, if the market comes down, where would the garden variety support be, at least from an initial support perspective? Well, we have a breakup candle, therefore we have a breakup candle low that coincides with the 20-period moving average. Where is that? We'll call it 232 to 232.50, something in that neighborhood. Just below that, there's a gap. So you can see that if the market was declining, and it was declining more than a bread box, for example, on Wednesday morning, that's an area that we would want to know about. But the next thing we do is we look at other charts and see if we can't get what I like to call confirmation that the particular area or zone that we just discussed is also important for other reasons on different charts. That enhances the support. Before we flip over, what I've done with these trend lines is identified the low of the breakup candle and the gap below. So essentially what we're doing is we're creating a zone. It may be something, it may be nothing, but until we look at other charts down below, we don't know yet, this is our starting point. What we're doing here is I'm doing in real time what I do anyway, all the time. We go down to a 120 minute chart and I notice something else. I notice that a gap on this chart is slightly below the gap on the other chart. Okay, that's normal garden variety stuff. This gap is at 430.95. We adjust the zone or widen the zone a little bit and by the way, here we are at the 50 period moving average. You see how this works? We've got two charts, we've got a zone, and under normal garden variety conditions, this zone, if reached without eating time off the clock for a couple of days, all that stuff, but if it was reached sooner than later, this will be garden variety of intraday support. This is the way the market works. Let's see what else we have. When we look at the hourly chart, we don't see much of a difference, but what we do see is a 100 period moving average, and we'll note this. Tomorrow, it will be slightly higher, 
and it comes in right around a big fat round number of 430. So for example, based on what's happening in the morning, I'll do this exercise and these are the numbers or these are part of the numbers that get posted on the board for inside the numbers members. Now if the market's going in the northern direction, they're not going to see a 432 or a 431 on the board, they're going to see other stuff. But this is the exercise that you have to go through for the pre-game warm-up routine. You never know what the market's going to do. You have to be prepared for both sides. That's why we show up in uniform, ready to go. When we come back to the daily chart, we can note something else. So let's just say, for hypothetical purposes, that the market comes down to about that 431 spot, give or take. Couldn't we then say that from here, which was on the 8th of July, the following day, the market broke out, made new highs, and then it will have come back to do what? Retest or run a test of a former breakout area. So we don't know that's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know it's going to happen on Thursday. All I'm saying is, if it does happen, that will be what would have happened. Again, it's all in the spirit of being prepared. If they're pushing to new highs in no man's land, there's not a lot we can do with that. We know something. What we do know is that if they are pushing to new highs again, the door opens for that elusive 440, 4400 in the ES contract. It's magnetic. Those big fat round numbers become magnetic or more magnetized the closer price gets into them. Let's change lanes and go inside the numbers. We'll circle back to stocks on the move, but we had some activity inside the numbers today. So I think you want to get out your sticky notepad and if you're one of those traders that's active in the market during the trading day, this is stuff you want to pay attention to. This gives you a handle on what's going on throughout the trading day without feeling like the market's a mystery. It was slow today, but there was still activity one way or the other. We can still use it as a learning opportunity. Turnaround Tuesday, they're flat, dumb, and happy at zero dark 30. So basically nothing was going on. How about the early thoughts? No action just yet. Now, we had the CPI number released this morning, but that was after the early thoughts are posted. We'll get to that later. The hourly futures chart is in the process of creating one of those bullish, flaggish patterns near the highs. Under normal garden variety market conditions, they're building energy for another push higher. Just to get the visual on what I was looking at this morning and referring to, so this is that bullish flaggish thing that was developing. And then here is where the CPI release came out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That little dipsy doodle down in recovery or rescue operation is known as a trick and company special. We talk a little bit about the 4,400 number if they're pushing higher. Not that they were going to or had to get there at any point today. Just it's an awareness if they start to push higher where are they going? That happens to be the only thing that we have to hang our hat on. Here, they're in no man's land, so we're void of sufficient hooks to hang our hat on. We don't know they will get there, but if they start to push, that's the draw. That's the awareness that you need to have just in terms of how the market works. On the support front, 436.50 is the first spot of legit support if they were to fall after the open. Now, let's get a visual because this is interesting 436.50 was the number, and when they declined after the CPI, you'll notice where they opened the day. They opened underneath 
436.50, and immediately got back above and rallied to new highs. That tells me that that number's most likely important or somewhere at least within pennies of that zone. And you can see here later in the day, what did they do? Once they broke below it, that was essentially what became resistance. First, it's support. Once price breaks below, it becomes resistance. That's why we call them important numbers. Let's move along, see what else we have as the morning continues on. CPI release, the number was hot, quote-unquote, and the market didn't fall in love. They're pulling back a little bit. A lot can happen between now and the open, so we'll see you then. So we don't know what's going to happen. It's still an hour left in the pre-market. They can do all kinds of stuff. Now, here's where it gets interesting, so start to pay attention. Well, don't just start to. You should have been paying attention anyway. If they pop them up quickly at the open and get to 437 or so, there should be a reaction in the other direction. This is pre-market, 925. AKA, it's an opportunity for an aggressive trader to short the SPY if they get to and spike above 437. Is it small risk? Yes, it is. How do I know that? Because if they get over 437.35, that would put them in no man's land and make the trade wrong. Here it is. You can see here an early in the day, not far from the beginning of the day, which is demarked by the vertical line. What happened? They came into 437, they spiked it by a few pennies, and they came back down to where? Basically, 436.50, they missed it by a few pennies, the low was 436.55. These aren't big numbers far away from each other, but the point is the numbers work. When you know the numbers are working, it gives you added confidence later on. You never know what the market's going to do. You never know what the market's going to provide in the way of a tradable opportunity. So the numbers are working. It gives you confidence later on. There were certainly traders that took the short at 437. Nice trade. Wasn't tremendous, but it was a trade. We're looking for base hits that sometimes morph into a lot more but we start with just making contact for a base hit. Let's move along, see what else we have. About 9.41, some of you who were sitting in front of the number on fast were rewarded with a quick rocket ride. This comes from Stocks on the Move. We'll review those later. 9.46, is 4.37 still a good short? Should still have a reaction in the other direction, but the longer it takes the more risk there would be that it's turning into a floater, meaning the market is turning into a floater type of day. But you saw what happened already at 437. Then they went up there finally, 953, showtime for the bulls and bears. Defense for the bears, offense for the bulls, 437 reach. That's why it was showtime. Then CHPT does the minimum required base hit. Again, we'll circle back to those. Reaction off 437 by 10 o'clock. And then the market just slowed down like it's been doing. We're in the summer doldrums, and we will remain in the summer doldrums until there's a spark in the market. If earnings season provides a spark or some other activity provides a spark, so be it. There will likely be a spark. We just don't know from where and when it's going to occur. Speaking of which, tomorrow, and I think it's a two-day event, I think the Fed Chair Powell is testifying once again in front of Congress. What's he testifying about? I don't know, but the Senate Banking Committee, I suppose, is going to ask him a series of questions, most of which don't even make any sense. 
He pretends they're asking good questions, answers them to the best of his ability without alarming anybody, always with the underlying theme that the Fed will always have a put underneath the entire country. That's his story. He's sticking to it. We'll see what happens with the testimony tomorrow. And we're moving right along. We had a divergence. We're going to get to this later, but at 1040, I'm noting that the IWM was getting killed, and also on a relative basis, the transports were also down. That was happening when the NASDAQ was up and the S&P was up. Well, what happens with divergences, they will eventually self-correct. So from a short-term perspective, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ turned around and they went back down in the other direction. One group or the other will turn around and catch up at some point sooner than later. little reference, what a long, strange trip it's been. Those of you that have been around markets for any length of time understand that we're in a very, very interesting slash strange time in terms of the markets, the Fed flooding money into everybody's pockets, who knows where the money's going. May we live in interesting times. So now, 1057, I would pay attention to this one too. You should have been paying attention all along anyway, just like before. Here's the current deal. The first hour is a breakup candle. The low is 436.19. We know the story about the breakup candle lows. If they start dripping lower, eventually they'll want to run a test of that deal. Here's the hourly chart. There's your first candle of the day. The breakup candle low is 436.19. Here's a five-minute chart. And there's your test of 436.19. Pretty slick how that works. From a trading perspective, from a scalping perspective, they gave you the trade. We're moving right along. There's your defense, 436.19. The morning low has just been defended. 435.50, give or take, is a spot where traders can take a long side scalp trade. This is what was posted in the afternoon. Remember, things change from morning to afternoon based on what the market's doing. A number that was good in the morning isn't necessarily good in the afternoon. A number in the afternoon isn't necessarily good tomorrow morning. Not all numbers are created equal and things change. You have to make adjustments in real time. 435.50 is a spot where traders can take a long side scalp trade. Now we've moved the line on this five minute chart to 435.50 and you can see what happened. They tried to come into it, came up short, came up short again, bounced away. This is the trade they're giving you. It's just like stocks on the move. When they come up short and do the deal, that's it. The next time down, it's not the same. Even though they did the deal, it's not the same. But here's the question. Was the number right? And the answer is, yes, it was. That's what counts in the big picture, knowing the numbers work. And we'll take it into the end of the day. You can certainly pause the video, and I urge you to read the notes. Go back to the charts and double-check the work. I've given you the meat and potatoes of the thing, but there's more information. There's always stuff to learn inside the numbers. How about stocks on the move? We'll take a look at the opportunities that hit their price objective. Some did not. When they don't, we wipe them off the board. They become no trades. We're going to take a look at the chart of CAG, Boeing, FAST, and CHPT. The last two, ASO and Logitech, We'll leave them off the board. They didn't do the thing. The other ones are worth reviewing. Here's a chart of CAG, ConAgra. 
So they were getting a buzz cut at the open, and the number identified was 3401 on the board bright and early. So they didn't come into it right away. They hovered over it, ate time off the clock, and then they came into it later. That wipes it off the board. We don't want it, but you can see what happened. That was a number that they basically settled on for the majority of the afternoon. Didn't give us a trade, but it supports the fact that the number was in the ballpark. Boeing didn't do the deal in the manner in which we prefer they do the deal. They came up short, they bounced away, they came into it, they did the deal, but we don't want it at that point. It's not the same trade, so be it. They don't all do it in the manner in which we like, but if you limit the trades to only take the ones that do the thing in the way at the place in where we need it to be and the way we need it to be, your winning percentage will skyrocket. about fast? This is the type that pisses me off. It pisses everybody off. I get it. 52.56 on the board bright and early. Low of day at 9.40 in the morning. 52.57 takes off like a bat out of hell. It's frustrating. There were some traders that front ran the number and they got paid. I understand that. Everybody has a prerogative where they want to put an order in. For me, no trade. Can we say that the numbers work, missing by a penny and taking off like a rocket? Absolutely. The numbers work. CHPT, Charge Point Holdings, getting a buzz cut at the open, down about 10% or so. Couple three minutes into the day, comes into the number, whips around for a while, goes back in the other direction, gives you the deal at minimum of a required number to call it a base hit. They do the thing. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. Struggled to get up and go, but they still give you the minimum required base hit. What's going on over in Camp IWM? So they've given back up the moving averages. Makes common sense, garden variety sense, that they're going to fill this gap here. However, nothing says that that gap has to provide a reaction in the other direction. We'll see. Obviously, you know I'm going to be watching this very, very closely by the end of the week. We have two specific numbers that are weekly numbers that are important to me. We're below one right now and above another one. If you want to know what they are, you can go back to last night's video. I discussed it as well as last week, exactly where those spots come from. But let's talk about divergences for a moment. This chart looks different than the S&P 500. This is not confirming. This is just logical common sense. I'm not making something up from a technical perspective. I'm not getting this out of a book. I'm just using common sense stuff that just makes sense. It's not doing the same thing as the S&P 500, as the Dow, as the NASDAQ. Why is that? Well, for one, the stocks in there are different. So what we're saying is that the market is selling the stocks in the IWM and still not selling them or still buying them at the same pace, we don't know, in the S&P the NASDAQ, and the Dow. Why is that? It's a divergence. Money flow never lies. Let me repeat that. Money flow never lies. Money is not flowing into the IWM. Doesn't have to be flowing out right now at a great clip, but it's not flowing in. So if we were following the money, we're not following it into the IWM. It's not confirming that there's a broad market breakout on the way. It is my favorite market leading indicator. 
Here's your monthly chart. It is long-term, but let's keep in mind, the IWM made a high back in March of this year. The S&P 500 made a new high today. It's a divergence. It's a puzzle piece. It's squarely on the table. What about the folks down at the transportation department? So this chart, also similar to the IWM, is struggling. Below three out of the four moving averages that I track is giving up the convergence or can't get through the convergence of the 100 and the 20 period moving average. And when you look at the weekly chart, we have this last weekly breakdown candle. Then they started riding the 20 week moving average. Now, and we'll see where they close by Friday's close, but now they're below the 20 week moving average. Also, obviously a negative sign. The transports, my second favorite market leading indicator, but you know this one, A number one, canary in the coal mine. We've used this in the past very, very successfully. Been doing this a long time. There are literally thousands of videos on YouTube, and each and every time the transports are telling us a story, the story ends up to be right. We just don't necessarily know when. Not the same, but similar to the IWM, the transports made a top in May. The IWM in March, the transports in May, the S&P today, the NASDAQ today. These are divergences. This is not normal. It will shake out. Speaking of the cues, what about the folks out in Silicon Valley? So they made a new high today. Now they put in a tail candle on the daily chart. Here's the issue with the tail candle. Yes, it's a tail candle. It can be a signal of a trend change, but they're high on the chart. Look how far away they are from the 20 period moving average. So they can come down a little bit, but for them to have any material change in trend or change in character in the short run, unless something materially big happens, it's not going to happen. So they come down a little bit. Maybe they come down a few bucks, work some of the quote unquote fake overbought condition off a little bit. Why do I call it a fake overbought condition? Because there's no measurement for that quote unquote overbought or oversold condition. So we can use that term, but we can't justify the term. Well, how overbought is something? Where is too much overbought? Where is the limit of overbought? There are no answers to those questions, which is why I don't necessarily prefer the term overbought, but we use it when a chart or a market is extended. The cues are extended. Not really so much on the daily chart, not terrible on the weekly chart, but just like many of the others, when you start to get to the longer term charts, it's too far away from home base. Eventually, they'll have to come back, but they have to change trend, change character. There has to be a tectonic shift in the market for this to actually take place that hasn't happened yet. So therefore, it's just an awareness at present. Just checking in over at the RSP, which is the equal weight S&P 500 index or exchange traded product. And again, they have yet to make a higher high. So we have a high and just by pennies, we have a lower high and we have a lower high. So it's interesting to watch this if they make a new high, it is what it is. But if they don't, it's kind of another somewhat of a canary in the coal mine. It's a non-confirmation signal of sorts. Financials, XLF, again, 
can't get through yet the 50-period moving average, and if they do, there's going to be two targets. Target number one is this breakdown candle high, but they've basically eaten time off the clock underneath it, recocked the gun, so that's not really resistance. The next spot would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 38, where the next breakdown candle high really is. What's the other side of that conversation? The other side of that conversation is the weekly chart where you see a big breakdown candle, and this is a some kind of a bearish, wedge-ish, something, something inside of that. If they can't get above that breakdown candle high, then price will go lower, but they're riding the 20-period moving average, and you have one of these interesting scenarios that comes up from time to time. You have a pattern inside of a pattern. So what do I mean by that? Well, first you have a big breakdown candle high. The high is here, and there's your breakdown candle, and inside of that, really, it's a bearish pattern, and price ultimately wants to go lower. But inside of that, something else happened, and we see this from time to time. You have a breakup candle, and you're making a bullish pattern inside to build energy for another test higher. That's where the 38 comes from, from the daily chart. See how this works? This is precisely why you have to look at a multitude of different charts. They don't all always tell you the same thing. The weekly chart is conflicting. Smash Mouth didn't really do much today, down 47 cents, less than two tenths of 1%. We can't make a federal case out of that. What they have done is find resistance where? at this breakdown candle high. They haven't get through it yet. If they build enough energy, eat enough time off the clock, they will be able to bust through. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.